Hello and welcome back to the RHS Gardening Podcast. Now April's well underway and the whole garden is bursting into life. I really love this time of year. The air at Wisley is scented with hyacinths and many of the woodland plants are they're in full flower now and they're making the most of the spring sun before the trees leaf out above them. There's a lot to do in the garden and right now, luckily, it's all the exciting tasks like seed sowing and planting. It puts winter firmly behind us and brings optimism and hopefully bountiful gardens full of flowers and produce. I'm Jenny Bowden, one of the RHS's team of horticultural advisors, based here at RHS Garden Wisley in Surrey. Coming up in this spring edition, health, happiness and horticulture, new RHS ambassador Jekka McVicker talks to us about her role and her ambitious plans for this year's RHS Chelsea Flower Show. RHS advisors answer your seasonal gardening questions and, as always, the latest news on RHS garden events across the UK. But first, let's hear about some of the key tasks you can be tackling in your garden this month. Hi, I'm Peter Jones. I'm the team leader of the Glasshouses here at Wisley. And as you can hear by the sound of the rain falling all around me, they have let me out today to help do this podcast. So we have just come into April and at last we have gotten out of the gloom of winter. And while a lot of us at home are mourning the loss of our early flowering magnolias and camellias as the show hasn't been as good as we were hoped due to our meek and mild winter followed by those cold snaps in January and February... But we shouldn't be disheartened. While we have had less flowers this year on certain plants, we must think of it that the plants are putting their energy into growing this year rather than a big flowery show. And next year, we should have an even better show. Fingers crossed our winter will approve. But that aside, there's still the opportunity for some of our late flowering magnolias still to give us a good show. So fingers crossed we'll get no more frost until May now. So now as we look at jobs to do in the garden over April, it's a good idea to start thinking about what weeds we might have coming into our garden. Now, a trick that a lot of gardeners use is to put a bamboo cane in a bed where they know they might have bindweed. So as the bindweed starts to emerge and grow, we just encourage it to twine up a bamboo cane and then we've got the bindweed isolated on that cane. Now, that is an idle opportunity to treat with a glyphosate-based gel. So you can paint it on the foliage when it has emerged on the cane and that means you can treat the bindweed and kill off the roots at the same time without putting a broad spray cast herbicide over your ornamentals and damaging those in the process. It's a really good technique at trying to isolate that pesky plant which tends to really get on our nerves. Also um, on those wet April days it's a good idea to get in our potting sheds and give all our containers which we're going to be planting up fairly soon a good clean with a nice stiff brush Uh, get any debris and detritus out of the pots on the inside and the outside these could be harboring bacteria and fungal issues for later on in the season so it's good to get it nice and clean and it is also a good idea just to give the surface of the pots a light spray with a, a mild disinfectant and that might just just really belt and braces keep our pots nice and clean now we're in spring Uh, We've got all our plants coming into growth, so a lot of our herbaceous perennials and our trees and shrubs that uh, were dormant or are starting to show signs of life. So it's good to do a bit of a health check and see whether we have had any losses. So if you've got any trees and shrubs that you suspect have suffered during the winter, maybe go around some of the bark with your fingernail and just scratch back the bark to see if it's green underneath, just to check you've still got some life there. Or perhaps go around in your beds with a little hand fork and check for any newly emerging buds, just to see how some of your herbaceous perennials have done, because 
it happens in our gardens that sometimes we do get unexpected losses uh, for all the best will in the world. But it's good just to have a little look around. And with all these newly emerging shoots, especially in our, say, our herbaceous borders, the big watch out for slugs and snails for a lot of us, especially if you're on the more heavier soils. Um, there are lots of ways you can treat it. Uh, you can go down the chemical route or you can go down the more organic route of doing uh, rings of coffee grounds are found to work quite well or eggshells. Um, there are also products such as nematodes. Um, these can be applied to the soil and these nematodes will work their way into the slugs and snails and help finish them off. Or there are such things as beer traps where we let the um, slugs and snails have a bit of a party before they depart, um, which is quite a nice way of them going, really. Or unless you uh, like to go out there with your night vision goggles, go out there and handpick them off the plants as well. So really that rounds it up for me. I hope we've got a really good growing season ahead and uh, I hope it's a really good gardening year. Remember, you can find more information on all aspects of gardening techniques on the advice pages of the RHS website. There, you can also watch video guides to key seasonal jobs. Go to rhs.org.uk forward slash advice. I'm Jenny Bowden and you're listening to the RHS Gardening Podcast. Now, time for your gardening questions. Each month on the RHS Gardening Podcast... Members of the Gardening Advice team join us to answer some of the queries they've received recently. As a member of the RHS, you can get advice on any gardening problem for free from our expert team by phone, post or email, or in person at any one of the RHS flower shows. You can email us directly to podcast at rhs.org.uk. So let's join my colleagues now as they tackle some inquiries they've received recently. Hello, I'm Lee Hunt. I'm the Principal Horticultural Advisor here at RHS Garden Wisley. Hi, I'm Becky Mealy and I work in advisory and my main focus is social media for the RHS. Hello, my name is Guy Barter. I'm Chief Horticultural Advisor for the RHS and I work here at Wisley in Surrey. M Pearson from Mansfield writes in to say, My toddler is obsessed with the Disney film Frozen. She'd like a frozen garden. Can you suggest some flowers and plants I could grow in an area of the garden to create an ice garden for her? I was thinking of dicentra, but other blue or white or silver plants to create an ice um, paradise would be splendid. Rebecca, what do you think? Well, what, what a great idea to have a nice area of the garden that's dedicated to frozen. Have you seen Frozen Guy? <laughs> no, it's a bit um, bit below my age group. Oh, well, actually, one of the things I was thinking that you could use is the ice plants, so that would be sedum, and there's two that have got white flowers. There's iceberg and stardust, which are ideal cultivar names for the occasion. Then campanulas, so you've got bellflowers, so these are either white or blue, so you've got very pretty flowers. And then the other thing you could do is actually create a carpet of silver foliage. So like pulmonary areas have got nice speckly silver foliage, and then Brunner Jack Frost, you know, you have to have that one really in, in a garden like that. I was going to add to that because I think blue foliage is actually quite difficult to achieve and it's really needed for that sort of frosty look. But I think there are uh, three or four grasses that really work and because they're hard and rigid, I think they have that frosted look about them. Uh, first one is Elemus glaucus, which is a, a tougher broader um, type of grass and it makes very upright um, little clumps as well so it will creep around the plants that you suggested for more tuft-like structures then festuca glauca 
something like the Elijah Blue, which is a particularly blue cultivar, work really well. And for a bit more airy-fairy, which can always work well with these sort of other plants to give a little bit lighter texture, the Panicum Heavy Metal doesn't sound very child-friendly, but it is blue, so it will fit very much into this theme. Mrs Pryor from Farnham in Surrey asks, I left some toys and buckets on the lawn over the winter. There are now big patches of bare soil and of yellow grass where they were lying. How can I get the lawn back into shape? Yes, it's easy done leaving things out over the winter and, you know, you're left with a bit of a patch there. Um, Best thing to do first off is to mow over the area so that you get an idea of the scale of the whole left or what the actual grass looks like itself. Um, yellow grass itself you can scarify with a rake and, and rake it over and, and actually that probably might just be enough to pick it up you know the sunshine gets into it it'll, it'll start to grow then um, if the soil is a little bit more bare best thing to do is to put a bit of grass seed down and hopefully it'll revive itself it's that whole process isn't of overseeding where basically you can take a springtime rake and then really scratch into that patch. It will pull out a bit of the old yellow grass, but if you then just sow it at half the rate that it typically states on the packet, um, just scatter it into the surface and then rake it a little bit more, that'll settle the seed in, and then you should get some regrowth to thicken out those patches. It's worth thinking about cutting patches of turf from the edge of the lawn and using those to mend the bare areas because lawns that have been sown are often much greener and better quality than the rest of the lawn and it can be rather staring and stand out. Uh, so what you do there is you, I tend to just take a seed tray, cut round the seed tray and make a little piece of turf, use that to fill in the gaps in the lawn and then the areas that are left bare at the edge of the lawn where I've taken the infills, I sow that where the extra greenness and high quality of the lawn doesn't stand out so much. If it's not possible to do that, as we were saying just now, adding lawn seed at half rate over the whole lawn can help make the whole lawn look a bit greener so the reseeded areas aren't quite so staring. Whatever your patches on the lawn and wherever they occurred as well, all these methods can help. So it doesn't have to be just from toys and buckets left out over winter. It could be for other reasons too. Yeah, benches. If you've not moved your bench off the lawn, that can always leave a, a bit of a patch on your lawn or even where areas of even grown long um under the climbing frame on my lawn at home is is it's quite bare under there where the, the swing goes joy fox from Egham in surrey has emailed in when should i prune my fig tree why does it fruit but not come to fruition the figlets turn black and fall off what's actually going on here and, and how could the pruning encourage more fruiting figs are a funny old tree They don't actually have flowers. The flowers are inside the fruit. And so there's no need to worry about pollination because the flowers that are inside the fruits uh, self-pollinate themselves. So figs will form usually a couple of times a year. The ones that form in the spring uh, seldom get big enough to ripen before autumn or winter arrives. But little ones can form uh, in the autumn and over winter is really tiny pea-sized uh, little figlets and uh, all, all other things being equal and the frost absent uh, they'll go on and ripen the following summer uh, what can happen is that uh, if the fig tree gets too big and humongous um, it's not very productive so what you do is you prune it uh, in summer to shorten back some of the shoots that are not bearing fruit and they'll produce side shoots that are fruitful 
So it's unclear how big this tree is and how it's being grown. And sometimes if you cut them back, they don't respond that well. But assuming it's a reasonably compact and well-behaved tree, then pruning should bring it into crop. You should get lots of little figlets and uh, you should get a summer crop. At this season, you get a lot of figs that have not quite ripened the following uh, the previous summer. And... Uh, they do turn black and fall off. There's nothing to be done about that. And in fact, um, bearing in mind that it's a pretty hopeless case, it's best to pick them off in October to save you having to look at them all winter. H. Prince from Romford, and they have a money plant and wants to know how often they should water it. Well, the simple answer is whenever it needs it. However, that would be facetious. So typically it needs to be watered maybe once a week or once a fortnight in summer and perhaps once every four or six weeks in winter. Much depends on where it's growing. If it's in a window where it's getting a lot of light and warmth, it'll need watering more often than if it's in a, a less exposed position. So the trick is to look at the uh, compost, pick the pot up from time to time, get an idea of when it's dry but not bone dry, and then water it but don't let it be soggy. And if you do that, these extremely robust and resilient plants will uh, survive for a long time. Um, RHS members, and indeed most gardeners, kill most of their plants with too much love. And they express their love for their plant by watering it over much, watering it every week. And that is curtains to many house plants, especially these ones that are, are rather cactus-like or succulent-like. If you do get money plants too dry, they do have a way of telling you, which is quite unusual. They do this process called self-abscission, and you'll find that individual branches literally drop off from the main structure of the plant, and you'll just be left with a, a sort of circular disc where the cross-section of the, the stem is, So, and then the bit on the, the ground or at the top of the pot that's fallen away. That generally indicates that it's been too dry, so you might need to increase the watering. However, if that happens, you could take the little bit that's fallen off and pop it in a pot of gritty compost, keep it slightly damp, it'll root, you'll have another plant, so it's not necessarily such a bad thing. The RHS Advice Team. RHS members also get free entry to all four RHS gardens, plus the opportunity to buy priority tickets to RHS flower shows. You can find out more about the benefits of becoming a member of the RHS and book tickets to shows and events on our website. Just go to rhs.org.uk forward slash join. Here are some of the events coming up in the next few weeks. Fall headlong into the floral delights of spring at the RHS National Rhododendron Show, which runs from the 23rd to the 24th of April at RHS Garden Rosemore. The show has over 60 classes covering all types of rhododendrons, as well as trade and advice stands, plus magnificent displays of magnolias and camellias too. Free with normal garden admission. Learn how to grow your own plants from scratch and save a fortune with our propagation workshop at RHS Garden Hyde Hall on the 23rd of April. This course will guide you step by step through everything you need to know about planting seeds and taking cuttings and will include demonstrations and practical activities. Booking is essential and discounted places are available for RHS members. Join us for a brand new Spring Festival weekend at RHS Garden Harlow Carr on the 30th of April and the 1st of May. 
This vibrant new event will see the return of the Plant Heritage Spring Plant Fair and will be joined by specialist nurseries selling a range of beautiful plants alongside the RHS Late Daffodil and Tulip competitions, showcasing the very best of spring colour. And finally, keen photographers take note. RHS Garden Wisley will be opening its doors extra early on the 23rd of April to allow visitors a rare chance to get snap-happy in the beautiful early morning light. Normal garden admission fees apply. Full details of all events and more are on the RHS website. Go to rhs.org.uk forward slash event search. This week is National Gardening Week from the 11th to the 17th of April. Every year, the RHS teams up with gardening organisations, businesses and individuals to create a week-long celebration of all things green. This year's theme is Health, Happiness and Horticulture and there are activities and events happening all over the UK, including at RHS Gardens, focusing on improving physical and mental health through gardening. See nationalgardeningweek.org.uk Author, broadcaster and organic gardening expert Jekka McVicker, along with Young Gardener of the Year finalist Jamie Butterworth, have been appointed as the latest RHS ambassadors to help bring horticulture to everyone and to encourage people to learn more about it. Jekka is a multi-award winning garden designer and is passionate about herbs and using plants to improve well-being. We spoke to her at a recent RHS show in London to find out about her new role and about the intriguing garden based on health and happiness that she's creating for this year's Chelsea Flower Show. A few weeks ago now, I was rung up by the Director General of the RHS and asked if I'd become an ambassador. I'm the RHS ambassador for health and happiness through horticulture. And... I think this is marvellous. I've been going around today giving people chocolates, but no one quite gets the joke, because that's the advert, isn't it? You give these chocolates. And, and I give them to all these people, and they go, oh, that's very kind of you, thank you, Jack. And they go, don't you get it? I'm an ambassador. And so my husband thinks I should have a flag for my delivery van. Um, but no, all seriousness. To me, the RHS is the most amazing charity. It is, quite simply... Plants can survive without us, but we cannot survive without plants. And the whole message of health and well-being through horticulture, and, and it does give happiness. It really lifts the spirits. If I can do anything to help promote that through the RHS, I'll be really excited because you've just got to take simple plants like calendula, pot marigold, calendula officinalis, you know, if you just mush up those flowers with a little bit of oil and just let it simmer and then strain it through coffee filter, you've then got an oil that you can use to heal rashes and things. It's as simple as that. And this whole thing of not just actually being with the plants, not just actually growing them, but actually using them to the benefit of man is, is, is wonderful. So it's a huge honour. I may have a good sense of humour about it, but... I really do take it very seriously and if there's anything I can do to promote people to go into the garden, spend a little time, take away the modern gizmos, turn off the phone, have a bit of peace, just for half an hour you'll feel an awful lot better. 
I've been exhibiting at Chelsea since 1993, and I am creating my very first garden. To me, it's like a dream come true. Just in December, St John's Hospice in London had contacted the RHS saying they wanted a garden. I went to meet them, and it was just like a marriage in heaven. The hospice is part of the St John's and St Elizabeth Hospital, and they care for over 3,500 people within the community. And they've got this space which hasn't got a garden. And so this garden at Chelsea is going to go back after the show to be planted for the relaxation and enjoyment and a bit of space and peace for both the patient and the family and the family's friends. But the whole thing about this garden is everything in it is medicinal. I've been talking to GPs and care people about what we can do for ourselves. Now you can actually, very simply, by having a gargle with sage for sore throats or um, anything you know, within the garden, there's a proper use for This is not mambo-jambo. This is what the history has given today's research. So, for example, the taxus columns at the back, taxus U. That has given us Taxol, which is used in the treatment of breast cancer and ovarian cancer. And this, this is Hawthorne, Crotagus. And as a child, I was brought up to eat bread and cheese. And that was Hawthorne leaves in bread. And it really helps your circulation. And you can make a tea sound out of the flowers and out of the leaves if you wanted. But I was given the leaves to eat as a child. And uh, so I find that wonderful. The, the arch which you walk through is hops and roses. Well, hops, of course, has always been known for sleep. It helps you relax. There's lemon balm in there, which helps you de-stress. There's rosemary. Rosemary has just been proven to be as good as ginkgo for restoring the memory. So, I mean, it's fantastic. So, and then the path through the middle here is lined with lavender so that you have the scent the path itself is textured. In the middle of each section, there's cobbles. And the cobbles are, in when you go to Japan, it's all for reflexology. So if you took your shoes and socks off, you'd have reflexology. Now, in Eridovaic medicine, if you're ill in the East, you're made to sit in the middle of the garden, right, to breathe and actually relax and breathe in the aromas of the herb garden so that you become healed by the plants. It's just so exciting. And that's what plants can do for us. We've sort of lost that connection of how we can look after ourselves. We want that quick fix from the doctor. But actually, with a little bit of eating better, you know, drinking teas better, you can actually keep yourself well. Designer and now RHS Ambassador, Jekka McVicker. You can find more information about National Gardening Week and about all the designers at this year's Chelsea Flower Show on the RHS website. So, that's all we have time for in this edition. We'll be back in a fortnight. Until then, remember to follow us on Twitter at the underscore RHS and like us on Facebook. For now, from me, Jenny Bowden and all the RHS Gardening Podcast team, Goodbye.